but I always carry either a, a gun or bear spray because, of course, we live in grizzly country, right on my hip. So I had bear spray that day, and I turned around, and I thought a deer was coming at me. It's just a light tan color, and I was just like, holy shit. And before I could actually realize in my mind what it was, it was already 10 feet away. And I freaking dropped everything, grabbed my bear I, I dropped my freaking bear spray and literally swung on it and yelled all at the same time and it stopped right in front of me. Got him. Dropped him. Nice shot, buddy. We're excited to bring you our stories and hunting tips to elevate your outdoor adventures and experiences. We aim to uncover the real, raw strategies of do-it-yourself hunting that will bring your dreams to life and generate success. To follow along with our yearly hunts, subscribe to Stuck in the Rut on YouTube. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today I am sitting down with Tom and Luke Sterling of Sterling Extreme Outdoors. Tom and I just had a really good chat with Luke. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's just a really hardworking guy And he's really passionate just about filling his freezer with wild game every year. And as such, you know, he really believes in proper management among predators because we're all seeing the effects of the predators that have been mismanaged poorly for many years. So Luke is really relatable to us with the experience um, that he has with hunting wolves. We kind of just chat back and forth about different stories that we have and talk about predator management So if you haven't already, you need to go to his YouTube channel. Subscribe to Sterling Extreme Outdoors. Check out his wolf videos. He captures some phenomenal wolf videos, um, either solo or even with his young kids that are killing wolves with him. So this guy is just real. He's relatable. He's down to earth. And he's not afraid of what anybody thinks. So we hope you enjoy this chat that we had with Luke. And make sure to go check him out either on social media or YouTube and subscribe. We made it to this podcast. I know we were kind of, you know, back and forth of what day it was going to work and what time. So we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. So for those people that don't really know much about you, I mean, I'm sure that if anybody is into wolf hunting, they know who you are. But will you give us a little bit of a background on, you know, about yourself, what you do for work, all the things? Well, as of right now, I'm just a blue collar hunter, you know. I, I hunt for my meat and, you know, that's basically what it is for me, meat. And, you know, I'm taking out a few predators along the way. So for work, uh, I was employed and now self-employed. So this year's going to be a little bit of a change for me. So hopefully for the best and we'll see what happens. That's awesome. And that's kind of why we want to have you on this podcast. We really only bring on the people that are the legit blue collar guys. You know, there's a lot of bs in the hunting industry these days as i'm sure you know so being able to have these guys that are like real do-it-yourself guys that are getting after it working hard you know they're not making a living off hunting (laughs) you're you're out there working hard you're self-employed um what do you do for your self-employment did you create a business just recently well i got some property and i'm building some cabins on that for some rentals so i'm kind of taking that route for right now i was uh working for a company and just recently decided to just go on my own way and do that just to make a little bit more time to, for hunting and stuff uh, later in the future. That's awesome. 
Yeah, that is awesome. How is that affecting you with this whole Corona stuff? Are you still busy? Oh yeah. I'm working from home. So it's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and tell us about your yeah. family. Don't you have kids that you hunt with and everything? Yeah. Got uh, three kids, uh, two daughters and my son. We all go out in the high country. My middle daughter doesn't hunt as much as uh, the other two, but she still gets out and does a lot of fishing outdoor stuff. So yeah, we're basically born and raised outdoors. You know, we get after it and just do our thing. Um, it's a lot different now with all the predators and the wolves, like, you know, everyone's starting to find out throughout the other States. So, um, I'm just kind of learning as we go as well as everybody else. So, um, I actually never even hunted wolves for the first couple of years here, even though we could just because for me, like what was the point of hunting a wolf, you know, but after yeah. a couple of years of seeing what they did to the elk and deer populations where I hunt, then I decided like, okay, I have to put my foot down and do something. So I started basically, you know, doing my own research out in the field of trying to figure out how to get them and actually control them a little bit, which I don't do nothing compared to what needs to be done. But, you know, at least I'm doing my part a little bit. You're doing more than the average. That's for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So. That's kind of similar to Tana and I too. And, what was that 2011 Tana? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tana was in college and she came up and she wanted to hunt whitetails and just to fill the freezer. And we were running, you know, high mountain whitetails. And so, but every day we went out, wolves howling, wolves howling. Finally, we just got fed up with it because they just were just slaughtering the wildlife back there. And we just set up a, we actually just did a howl. And two came out in a clear cut and I shot, shot that gray one at, uh, 450 yards. Yeah. It was 450 yards and took two shots, the seven mm. They, they can nice. take a bullet. Oh but, yeah, they can. Yeah. That was, <laughs> <laughs> but the 30 calibers now what we've moved to and that seems to drop them in their tracks a little bit more. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I would, I would always recommend a high powered gun, um, caliber, um, 30 caliber or bigger. I mean, I don't know, like that's yeah. just my personal preference. I want to, I want to, I want to hit them hard because literally I've like, I hunt with a 300 ultra mag and I've hit, I've hit wolves two, three times and had them take the bullet and run off with it. And you can literally see daylight on the other side of them. You know, they're just, they're tough animals. So these small caliber bullets, you know, yeah, you just hunt hunt with a big gun if I had anything to recommend for sure. When, when yeah, that's kind hunt. of with us. To, yeah. Well, yeah, you're, no, that's right. With any with any hunt, too. We figured, oh, I mean, we moved to a 338 Ultra Mag, and it's just we stopped following blood trails. Everything just started dropping, so it was, like, hard to yeah. <laughs> move away from a <laughs> yeah. 338. Well, you get that, you know, you get that time and that moment that everything falls in place and all the stars align. You want to be able to, you know, basically suck the life out of the other side of them for sure. Exactly. Um, but so when was the first time you, let's say the first time you finally said, I'm fed up with this. It's time to, to manage some wolves. Like what year was that? Would you say for yourself? Uh, you know, I think it was around the same time that 2011, 10, 11, when we got to hunt them here. I don't know exactly, but mm -hmm. 
I, like I said, I didn't hunt them for the first couple of years just because I had no reason to. Um, yeah. But after I, after I started elk hunting and, and noticing in my areas and finding all these elk kills and, um, winter kills, because I was, I was a big shed hunter and I still am. Um, I, I, I found all that stuff from day to day and I was just like, what the F, you know, like this is out of control. And I'm not talking just like a, a kill here, a kill there, like complete mass slaughter, you know, um, they'd go into these wintering ranges and just freaking take them out. Um, so I was like, yeah, oh, I got to do something. If, if I want I'm a big mule, big, you know, big mule deer hunter, high country. Um, we have very little mule deer anymore because of it. And I, I noticed that even back then, the last time I started seeing big muleys in the high country, I mean, I've seen a few here and there, but it was, you know, 2008, nine, and we still couldn't hunt them really back then. But if that's where we kind of, from what I've seen, you know, the decline. Um, and now it's tough. Yeah, like you don't even, yeah, you don't even get a buck over three, four years old anymore. I mean, it's yeah. tough anyway. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, and, and maybe it happened where you're at too, but one thing we've noticed for us is that the, the only the animals that are still around are the ones that are a little bit more adaptable. Like, well, I mean, our elk got hit hard, but the only elk that are left are the ones in town. Same with the whitetails. The only whitetails that we have left are the ones in town. Moose and muleys and our backcountry elk and our backcountry, those big old whitetails that used to just die of old age, they just all disappeared. Anything in the backcountry just got slaughtered. They're gone. And the reason why that is, I think, and I believe is because, you know, there's there's less people back there. There's game, you know, in the beginning. So they just had their heyday back there. They basically ruined everything back there. And now they're starting to come to town. Like, you know, you, you hear of people's dogs getting attacked now. It's because they're, they've already ate themselves out of house and home back in the back country. And now they're, they're coming closer because that's what's left for food. You know, they, they go to their mm-hmm. food source and when they don't have a food source anymore, they have to move on. You know, that's just well, that, works. And I'm starting to notice it with their teeth too. Like, well, like typically this is just according to other people i've t- a lot of trappers i've talked to is when their teeth start getting yellow that means they're 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 resulting you know the teeth is their teeth are really white because of chewing bones on big game and when you start seeing them turning yellow they're running out of game so they're eating like more smaller game and, and they don't get those big bones to like you know whiten their teeth um and i noticed that too past couple wolves i killed they had like really yellow teeth and so they i'm assuming they were just eating on well actually i didn't assume i knew there was that one we shot in a meadow they were there would be about a 10 foot radius rototilled to to, to get a little gopher out of the hole (laughs) and they were oh yeah yeah i mean they were desperate for food and this was a meadow that moose used to use all the time and there's not a moose you won't you won't find a moose in there anymore and if you told people yeah, that there used to be moose here, they'd laugh at you. So, and that's and that's exactly what happened here too. You know, like the moose used to be everywhere here, and mm-hmm. the last ten years, you know, we go to these. We used to have game checks on every drainage around here. Uh, we we have very few here anymore, and, and all the ones that, you know, I, I haven't been through a game check in a long time because usually if my stuff comes out in pieces, um, and it's at four yeah. in the morning, you know, by the time I get out of the woods, but, um, it, it's you know, you get signs that they say, like, have you seen this? And it's a picture of a moose, you know, like they want to know, but they don't, I don't know what their philosophy is there, but yeah, hundred percent on the uh, gophers around here. 
a lot of rabbits and they 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 love rabbits so like they eat a lot of those as well um but for moose yeah. and big game it's 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 we're running out for sure yeah well we and there and we still have a photo this is with hannah too just just here in idaho we came out we used to um with moose paddles we would our family would collect this is just between our family over 100 fresh moose paddles every year and that one day if we still have that photo in 2012 there's this one drainage we'd always pick up close to a little over a dozen moose paddles every year um and and it's just crazy to think that there used to be moose there. <laughs> they're not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, it very, is. very few, far between. But I mean, but they're, you'll just every so often out elk cut and you'll cross one track. But, but like, I mean, yep. just as, re- just recently, I'd say it was about, it was a couple, it was a couple weeks ago. I did see a moose track and there was a wolf track right behind it, following it. It's like, typical <laughs> this is the worst exactly. time of the year too because they just got done with a hard winter and so they have no energy and the wolves to just float right on top of that hard crust snow and that's and talking to some guys with you know sharpers with a lot of experience they said that's the time when it, the slaughter happens it's that it's that last month of of winter when that hard yeah. snow and they just so like you guys just, weather in Idaho, it's, you know, it's, you get, you guys get a lot of weather, but it's like in the high country, it, it, you probably get a bunch of snow and it, but it, in the lower elevations, it melts off quite, you know, quite quickly. Um, it, our country yeah. here, it's kind of the same. Um, you know, it's nothing to have six, seven, eight feet in, you know, just in the mountains here. So when you're talking a moose, uh, back there in, in a pack of 10 wolves and, and, and I've, I've seen it with my own eyes that they post hole up to their chest. They, they really don't even want to get off the main, the main roads that you like, they're following your snowcat right in, you know? Um, oh yeah. They have no chance. They have no chance. They can't kick them. They can't do nothing. They're basically sitting ducks. And if I see a moose today in the last couple of years, like I, I'm just, I'm truly amazed. I'm like, wow, one made it, you know, like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much is. So Cause they, they have no chance. They don't, and they they have no chance. They're stubborn. Yeah, they're stubborn. You know, they are. like high country mule deer are the same exact way. They stay way up high. I've seen them things snowshoeing on their chest cavities through snow, like swimming through it, like you know, a dog would through water. And well, you they know, did, they did that test this year too. Yeah, like they're. We were shocked. Like the muleys are. I mean, well, they always are. They, well, we've always actually found them above the moose elevation, the sheds, the mule deer oh, sheds where we're at. Absolutely. Those things, they don't give it, they don't care. Like they're, they're yeah. as high as the, I found mule deer sheds where I rifle hunt, like, and it's six, seven, eight feet yeah. of snow up there. So it's crazy. Like, it doesn't they, really matter to them. Yeah. They just find some of those big bucks. will just find a pocket of timber. I think our biggest shed we found, my brother found them there. It was like one of those big, heavy timber, old timber bucks. And he actually oh, yeah. followed the moose around. The moose would, they would dig up the, um, that, that waxy leaf snow brush and that mule deer would fall. Mm-hmm. And he dropped, it was so fresh. He dropped the shed and trapped my brother backtracked and followed, found the other side. And he had that buck scored just a little over 200 inches, but it's like one of those, you know, black rack, heavy, just an oh, awesome yeah. looking it, mule deer. And those don't exist anymore. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those they don't. Those 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 days are long gone. I mean, if yeah, if they don't if they don't get a handle on stuff, like it's gonna be. I mean, because they. I mean, if you think about it, a deer and a moose or whatever, we got permits for them and stuff too. But uh, you know, we got. It's not just the wolves doing it. It's the mountain lions. It's the uh, the bears. You know, that's the calving season. Like it's everything. It's winters. Hard. You know, hard winters do the same thing. So uh, wolves, yeah. they definitely take their fair share of stuff. So I don't know. Well, they just don't have a, a lot chance. Going yeah, it's like exactly. It's like they, yeah, they have nowhere to go. And then for us, I don't know if you guys get it, but what bothers us sometimes is we get these depredation tags because the wolves push all these cows down in the valley and they don't want to go back up in the mountains. And then well, that's we be, get these. That's because they know they're, yeah, they know they're safe down there. Yeah. They, and it's, they would it's, rather, it's they'd, painful. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, why I mean, don't shoot them? Like, those are our last <laughs> elk. And they're like. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I, I, I'm the same yeah. exact way. I'm, I'm just like, leave them proceed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Know. So when yeah. you guys are finding wolf kills, are you, have you ever found one that's not eaten on very much? And seeing how they just love to you know, kill. I personally, um, when I first started seeing like uh, um, a problem with wolves, I I did, and I have some photos, and I'll dig them up if I can. Um, I, I have seen where they've just ate the heart and liver out and a little bit of the rear end, you know, and not came back to it. Um, but anymore with the amount that they've already taken and the amount that's out there right now, I believe in, in my area. I really, honestly, I I see a little bit of blood in the snow, and I might find a piece of bone, you know, or some hair. But other than that, they pretty much eat everything unless it's a buck. They won't eat the horns, and they won't eat the lower part of the, the legs just because it's, like, really hard. And, yeah, pretty much everything else, they eat the hook. Yeah, they're just so desperate for food now. They're just, like, any chance they have a deer. Well, and then you get a wolf pack eating a little whitetail. That's nothing. That'll... During our wolf trapping extravaganzas this year, we found multiple moose calves that were killed, but had only a couple bites taken out of them. And it just made me so mad. Every time I'd see a moose calf dead with a couple bites, and then they just keep going and kill another one, then kill another one, and you'd check back a few days later and it was still not eaten. It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, people think these wolves are are just so great and they need to balance the ecosystem so kind of what are some of the things, Luke, that you tell people that maybe don't know about wolves or know what kind of damage they're doing to our game? You know, I, I really don't know of any uh, people around here, like locally, that ever say that. There's a lot of people that out there that do, that they just don't understand. But I think the reason why they don't understand that is because they're not around it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, they haven't seen like, it. You know, people that have states that don't that that don't understand what we know they're like why would you kill a, that animal you know you don't you don't eat it you don't do this this and this it's that's kind of you know what their philosophy is but it's just because they're very uneducated and they don't understand i think yeah and i mean you have a youtube channel too that's pretty popular so do you get a lot of comments on there of people that are mad at you for killing wolves Oh yeah, I, I I honestly thousands of comments, and to be honest with you, I don't even look at a single one because <laughs> for me, hear that, hear that, Tom. Me, I, 
I'm for no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. So they can comment all they want. Like I do not care what people think about what I do. I just know that I do right for what I do. If that makes sense. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here to like prove whether or not wolf hunting is good or bad. I'm here because I like to eat meat and this is my home too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to watch it go just because some Californian or whoever wants to, you know, have a wolf. What? Well, if they want to have a wolf in my eyes, we'll take them to California or Nebraska or wherever they want them, you know, take them down there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, yeah. I honestly, there... I don't want to, I don't want to see them gone, but they, they must be managed. And honestly, the, the thing about it is, and I'm, when I mean managed is, so like our state, like at the beginning had a quota of 350, right? Well, in, in my understanding, we've never met our quota. Then why are we not calling the rest of that quota at the end of the year? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Our wolf trappers, we don't have near the, the rule that, and the restrictions that Montana has. And there is, I'm actually, I've seen it where there's some areas where the wolf trappers have done such a good, such an excellent job. There's actually, I'm actually starting to see mule deer numbers come back again. And these are areas I haven't hit for nearly a decade. And so with the right amount of management, it does work, but it, it like does. You were, I mean, it does. But you're saying, but didn't you say to me prior to this that it's 48 hours? You have to check your traps every 48 hours? So the state of Montana, um, yeah, the state of Montana, uh, you have to check your traps every 48 hours if you're um, wolf trapping. We cannot use snares. We cannot, we can't trap over a certain amount of bait unless it's a certain, you know, distance apart, which which is, you know, whatever. Um, But there is a lot of trappers that, that do well here but the thing about it is it's so there's so many rules and regulations that you know you can't like you can't even go down most of the roads where the animals are because of wildlife habitat you know what i mean so it's like you can't yeah. are you gonna haul it you're gonna haul in 50 traps you know mb750s you know on a sled uh, 10 miles in probably not you know what i mean mm-hmm. no that's yeah it's just it's it's a full-time job. I mean, even here, it's, it's once every three days. And it's still um, some of our best trappers. The, the majority of them are guys that they're either just summer workers. They, you know, they're, they don't have jobs in the winter, so that's all they do. Or they're retired. Yeah. Um, you, it's exactly. full-time. And the only way my brother was able to, I don't know if Montana's allowed to, but you can kind of, um, you can almost like, you're allowed to help people. Like, let's say you had a friend, you took turns your friend checked it 48 hours the other guy checked it yeah. 48 hours and so you can do yeah. that as long as you both have a wolf trapping um license can you do that in the state of montana do you know or yeah yeah we actually can and um that is that that's about what you would have to do for everybody that works because i don't know anybody that just takes time off and just does their thing and makes money and does whatever you know where we live but so time um, consuming you, yeah yeah, so if you have to check your traps every 48 hours, like you work a full six, seven days a week, how are you, how are you supposed to do that and trap at the same time, you know, and, and manage a family and do everything else? But but you can do that. You you both have to have a wolf uh, trapper's license, and you both have to have your ALS number stamped to the trap. I'm not sure how you guys do it in Idaho, but um, 
both your tags have to be there and it has to be checked within 48 hours from either party. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty much the same rules. We just, we're allowed to use snares and uh, neck snares and we're also allowed to, um, um, anyway, well, it's once every three days and some of the bigger, you know, the farther back country areas, um, that are a little bit harder access. There's certain parts of Idaho that's eight days, once every eight days. So that's kind of nice. Um, areas yeah. that I, and I uh, don't quote me on it, but like the, I think it's like the Lolo area. Um, there's some areas that, you know, like you, we were talking about, there's some back country areas where the only way to hunt it, you have to pack in 30 miles back with a mule. And those areas yeah. have actually got hit, got hit the hardest with wolves because nobody goes back there to manage them. Um, and it's, it's so, funny that you say that is because the Lolo area is always been known for a ton of elk, a giant mule deer. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you look at the Idaho to my, our Montana border side, that's a special uh, draw zone for us. And, and it always has been, it's they people used to take 200 plus, you know, inch deer out of there all the time. Now, that's talking to people, it's 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 done. Like it, you, it's it's over. Like you don't get you don't get those numbers anymore. Like there is, I mean, sure, you might draw the tag at, at a ten thousand uh, applicants, and you know, I don't know, you're not gonna you're not gonna kill a two hundred inch deer out of that country anymore. It's just, mm. I mean, you might, but. <laughs> Very rare, yeah. <laughs> the, the, chance, the chances of you doing it is very slim, let's put it that way, even if you are the elite of the elite mule deer hunter. Well, yeah, even, and this is sad to say, but even our area right now, um, I'd say you pretty much are the talk of the town. If you, kill, if you can kill a buck that scores 170, you're the talk of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and it wasn't 2016, I was still pulling out you know, a 170, 180 inch muley, you know, so it's, it's sad that it's changed that much to where a 170 is just like a monster. That's actually really five, sad when you think of it. Honestly, you're a hundred percent correct. Five years ago, I wouldn't even look at a 170 or 180. I'd be like, that's a nice buck. You know, like that was a great buck. Mm-hmm. Um, I passed two bucks up that went 160 mid 160s maybe 170 this year i i seen one of them on the very last day um i passed it up this this was my oh. very first year since the day i was 12 got to hunt that i actually didn't take a deer and it's because it's i didn't want to take a 165 buck do you know what i mean oh, or a 170 mm-hmm. did it so tempt you just I, a little bit though <laughs> no <laughs> it, it, i you know, I honestly, it really didn't because I, I passed the buck up the first week and a half of season and I seen him again the last day and I watched him walk and I don't know. I was just like, I, I seen very few deer. I hunted hard and for me, it felt good just to let that one go just because I know how in bad, bad of shape they are. Like I didn't want to take uh, that yeah. from those does. You know what I mean? Like I was just, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but. No, I no, I got, I got it. I, I, the only actual half decent buck I saw this year was that he was, had good forks, but he was a twenty three inch wide, like maybe one fifty five. But that was actually the biggest yeah. muley I've seen all the season. And same thing, it was just like 
and it was like pretty much toward the last day of the season. It was a very popular place to hunt. So like I walked away feeling good. Like that buck is still going to breed does. And if the wolves don't kill him, hopefully he'll have another year. And, you know, next year he'll be a much nicer buck. I mean, he had a really good genetics. Um, yeah. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully he'll make it. I, but that's the, I, I honestly couldn't tell you how many years since the wolves have been introduced here that I said that exact same phrase. I hope he makes it, but I'd never see that buck again. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's so true with you. I, I am not even kidding you. Like that buck's <laughs> going to be a good buck next year. I'm going to pass it up. I hope he makes it. I never see the buck again. That's well, that's funny so, you say that. Cause I feel like with elk, like with elk and whitetails, I can, you know, pretty much, well, some of these bucks and some of these bulls, you can find the sheds to them every year, but like mule deer, it's not like that. It's like, like you said, never see that buck again. It's like that one I was telling you about my brother, that 200 incher. Nobody ever killed him. Nobody, you know, that we've met and we hunted that area several times. That's the first time Travis picked up his shed, my brother, and uh-huh. no one's ever heard of that buck. And either A, died of old age, or B, mountain lion or wolf got him. So, <laughs> so, so, in the, so, no in one the ever knew who areas, he existed. Yeah. So, in the mule deer areas that I used to hunt, I used to see bucks three, four years consecutive back prior to wolf days. I, I see them in the same yeah. places. Those, those high country mule deer, they basically winter and summer in the exact same places as long as they don't get pushed out of there um i've seen it i've okay. found their sheds in the same places but anymore it, i don't even shed hunt anymore just because it's i i'm i spend all my time wolf hunting because there's no point for me to go out there aimlessly walk around for a you know three-point shed when i used to find well, that's the- 40 a day you know like yeah it's just it's ridiculous sure. well it's not even fun anymore like that's like you know you're saying it too like when we were kids we would we we still have piles of sheds and we still got piles of big sheds to prove it you know ones that we we just hoard them we never sold them um oh absolutely you would you would you would drop your jaw on on, i have a 16 by (laughs) a 16 by 10 shed that's full of horns and you'd probably completely freak out if you've seen the amount of horns i have i've been offered you know tons of money for them but you know what i'm gonna keep them because they're dinosaurs they really are. Yeah, they are. Well, they're just going to go right? up in value anyway. So just yeah. You, you, if no, you don't, I mean, but we've always it's it's really not about uh, the money to me. It's yeah. it's, a, it's about like the, the amount of miles that I walked. That you know the um, experience I had finding them. Um, I used to throw white moose paddles, white elk horns. I we'd pick them up and be like, oh, that's cool. Throw it out. Like walk on to the next yeah. one. If it wasn't brown, we wouldn't keep it. We'd actually, we'd pack the whites, but we'd sell them at the end of the year. And the horn buyers would always say, we want brown. And we're like, they ain't getting our brown. <laughs> yeah. We, no. So I, we would just I like, oh, okay, I'll pack it out. I, I sold a few <laughs> horns when I was in junior high just for a little extra money. Um, mm-hmm. I think I got like two bucks a pound for them. And I don't know. I, I haven't sold them. I really didn't shed hunt that much until after I graduated high school. Um, but I used to do all the time just because it was a hobby of mine. I have literally thousands of cool photos that I never share, which I probably should someday of all my sheds. Cause that's before social media, I took photos of them. And I, 
you know, I just did that because it was a hobby of mine. I loved doing it. And everybody used to talk, you know, and be like, what, what do you, why would you hike around all day in the woods for horns? You know, it just wasn't a thing. And now it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a lot different. Well, yeah, well, and that's the problem too. It's, it's super competitive. Well, I guess not for Tana, but like for like here, like for stupid whitetail sheds, there's boot tracks everywhere you go. And it's like, there's only four bucks on this mountain anyways. <laughs> you can have them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but I used to like you said I used to not even I would just hike to find sheds. Now I have to actually if I'm going to find an elk antler, I I have to glass him until he drops. Before I used to just walk aimlessly and I'd pick up sheds, but if I if I did that now I wouldn't. So I have to glass and find Absolutely. an elk to watch, and that's the only way we pick them up anymore. And you know, and even those areas we had an area my brother and I had there were 20 bulls in this one little drainage and that's probably actually one of the biggest wolf packs too that moved in and now this year this year um there was there was three bulls in there um this year there's been 20 bulls back not even a decade ago probably six years ago and so and and that's one of our yep so the same exact thing happened to us you know there's a mountain that we all used to watch for elk and there used to be 60 bulls wintering on it maybe 30 down the bottom the next year the wolves moved in there i watched it with my own eyes it went from 60 bulls to 30 bulls the next year 30 bulls to 15 bulls it was half every single time that thing is that that mountain is desolate now there hasn't been a track on it for five six seven years now i mean you might get a wander every now and again but it's it's game over like there is no elk anymore yeah no and and people don't realize how sheer-footed wolves are on snow um so my friends and i we we followed a wolf pack like queen over the top of the mountain there was it was there's probably 12 12 feet of snow and I'd say five feet of that was powder, fresh powder. So if you jumped off your snowmobile, you sunk to your chest. And Absolutely. the wolves I've, I've floating on top of that snow. I've watched them come down through freaking the nastiest avalanche country in the freaking world, through cornices and shit, and they just go right through it. I've, I've yeah. watched them do it. It's crazy. Uh, they can, places, I mean, that. Places mule deer and goats don't even go, you know? It's, yeah. I don't know. Well, I actually think but. they heard our goat numbers too. Like there was an area we camped and where we would elk hunt. Well, that was kind of the first thing the elk did, the backcountry elk would do is they'd actually, we were bugling elk. One bull, it's my second biggest bull I've harvested. And as we were bugling them in, a mountain goat walked past me because they were hanging out in yeah. the cliffs to get away from the wolves. And, but then the wolves started running the cliffs and finding ways to run the cliffs. And they've, they've also even taken down our mountain goat numbers down in those areas too um they have but they we have still... smashed our mountain numbers they they have smashed our uh, like i know that for a fact because if anybody wants to do the research that's listening to this podcast you look at what we used to give out for tag five years ago then look out 10 years ago and you'll see what's going on it's not because we're mismanaging it is because they're disappearing oh yeah it's, and it's true uh, Colorado, Oregon, uh, Wisconsin, everyone that's getting the wolves in there now that you guys can't hunt. Um, you know, Colorado's a great state. A lot of elk there. There ain't going to be no elk there if you guys let that happen. Like, it's just the way it is. 
Oh man, I just like this. Well, I just went did the hunt there in Colorado this year for the first time for mule deer, and I pulled a one ninety three inch muley off there, and it's just like, and I just had a moment there where it's like no way I could imagine doing that wolf country anymore, you know? No, to be able and, to pull a buck at that quality. And it happens. They, they don't know what's quick. coming. No, it will. They're, they're, they're and, already they're already there. They just they they have to put their foot down now because once they get them to where they can hunt them, it's going to be too late. But do you think it's possible to get ahead of it? Because, you know, Idaho was pretty slow. I don't know how Montana was, but it seems like we're behind the curve now. We're trying to catch up and we're trying to manage them, but they populate so quickly and breed so quickly. You know, do you think people are going to start getting ahead of it or how can we really get them managed? Uh, In my personal opinion, the few of us that are very successful wolf hunters, we're basically wasting our time. I mean, we do our part, <laughs> but we will, we, well, it, yeah, I mean, we I, try. I'm not even kidding <laughs> you though. Like, you know, I get a couple, two, three wolves a year. You guys get a couple, two, three wolves a year, but I know literally right now, I know where 15, 20 packs are that have 10 to 15 dogs in them. Like what are, what are my, yeah. what are my numbers doing? You know what I mean? Wow. Like I'm not doing shit yeah. in the state. Well, I'm sure you noticed it too. But it, they smart up quick. Like, after you pull a couple wolves out of one pack, it's almost nearly impossible to catch up to the pack again. That's probably happened it's, with you, too. Oh, yeah. And everyone's out there doing it because it's, like, a lot of people want to do it, which is great. But they're also educating them as well. And that's the problem. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's just... Yeah, what's, what's changed with wolf hunting when you first started from now? with other people being in the woods and trying to hunt too. As far as when I first started? Well, yeah. So like, how did the, how did like the wolf hunting change? Like, like how did the wolf behavior change from when you first started from when other people started moving in and trying to hunt them too? So when I first started wolf hunting, I was with my daughter. It was my very first video I aired on my YouTube page. Um, It was awesome. She was like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. She told me we got to go to the meadow. We were tracking them down. It was right the season. I got my elk already. I already got my deer. We're just, you know, out for a fun day. She couldn't even hunt yet. And she's like, you know, we found some wolf tracks because it was the first year I was like, decided that I was going to go on a wolf hunt. And I think we already had uh, a go ahead to kill wolves for uh, two years prior to that. I'm not sure if it was like 2011 or 12, somewhere in there. Um, She's like, let's go to the meadow. So I went to the meadow. I freaking threw a rabbit call up boom here comes a wolf i shot it it was it was it was crazy <laughs> like i was just like okay wow <laughs> like, well, honestly, that was easy. I, i've shot like <laughs> i don't know if it's kind of just their little like because the deer kind of migrate through there i've shot numerous wolves out of there um but from here now like for me like in the packs that are accessible to other people like it depends on the snow year like i like to snow cat in and get way away from everybody that's when I do my best. But when you can drive the roads like this year, there wasn't a lot of snowfall. Um, yeah, I won't even call. I'll just track them down. Yeah, I really, they, I really they just run the other way. I, yeah. I literally, I've watched them at 800 yards or so. I've hit a rabbit call or a deer or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they freaking jump up and they run as far and fast as they can the other way. They are so in tune with <laughs> what's going on right now. It's not even funny because everyone's out there doing it, you know? Yeah. Wow. No, it's true. And that's what I, 
and some, and this is what I've tried telling people too, like, don't go where I'd go, find your own wolf pack. Like that's like, I've already wised up this pack. This is a pack I've been working on and you'll get a bunch of guys that they think they're, you know, that by bringing in a ton of people in an area, that's how you're going to manage the wolves. And that's not necessarily the case. That's even with trappers too. Sometimes like some of our best trappers, like they actually do better if other trappers kind of give them some space because they're able to, they're able to pattern them, trap them. Um, what I've always done is try to send people to like those backcountry areas. You know, if you're going to make, if you're willing to make a trip from Utah to go wolf hunting, go into these backcountry areas where there's, it's roadless. Like these are the areas you're going to find wolves that have not been messed with. Um, oh, absolutely. Is that kind of some, yeah. You, you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, hundred percent get us rent a snow cat i mean i don't know have someone drop it off for you i mean i don't know just run back there and hunt them if you if you're going to come down there and do that but <laughs> i as far as i know around here and around idaho and everywhere else those things aren't stupid they hear you coming they hear you get out of your rig they hear you howling they hear you rabbit calling and they're gonna run they do and that's and what i've noticed but it's it's so weird wolf hunting is it's either they're really smart or they're just really stupid. But when I mean really stupid, it's, it's not that they're not stupid. It's just, they're a fearless animal and that they've never been hunted before. If you're hunting a wolf pack, that's never been messed with. They come in immediately with that, with no hesitation. Um, and, and, and it's, I mean, it's, it does get addicting, but you only got maybe one or even couple chances with that one wolf pack and they'll, they'll never come into a call again <laughs> pretty much you got to do what you got to do i mean that's that's actually i tracked that one pack down but i um i heard them howling at the same time too so that's the only reason why i was confident in tracking their their tracks i knew they weren't far in the snow um i was able to get that big alpha but for you you're just what are you doing? Are you just getting on their tracks and just I've, I've going? Taken, or? I've taken, I, yeah, I've taken two wolves out of one pack, one consecutive year, one time. And the reason why I did that is I called the first time. I I was on them freaking right when they killed a freaking deer, and I killed one. The second time I killed one out of that pack, it was a pack of 10. I tracked it down. They, they were running moose. I was all around them. We heard, like, actually, a buddy of mine, we freaking tracked all day long from dark to dark snowshoeing. That's when we got out. Um, we got on them at 4 o'clock. We were already heading back towards the snowcat after snowcatting in, and they started howling. We were like, crap, we got to go back now. We got back in there tight, and he had a shot a little bit, and I had a shot a little bit. Well, the funny story is my, my base screw off my scope, stripped out that day somehow so my scope was literally uh, an eighth of an inch up and down oh, no. off my gun yeah and and so i was like there's no way in hell i'm gonna be able to take more than a 50 yard shot right so i kept tracking him and he was right behind me he actually got it on um video with his phone and i was we were following the whole path and one of them decided because the elk were running we were crossing each other's track tracks and the moose were running whatever and Lo and behold, I looked up and there was one coming right back down the trail at me. I knelt down on my knee like I seen it before it seen me, and fifteen yards, freaking smoked it right there. That's that was awesome. it. Two, 
two out of one pack, but wow. I mean, I, there's no way in a million years that I would ever beat a wolf in the woods by seeing it before it seen me. I, I don't think just, it was just a luck type thing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. They, we've had it. I mean, so, I'm sure you've had them so circle on you too. Yeah. That one that my, it was kind of the first time we figured out or we started getting into it more similar to you, like you were saying, like finally we started realizing there was a promise that we have to do something about it. So my brother and I, we just took some time off work and did an evening hunt in a location where we heard there was a wolf pack in. And it, I mean, it was one of the, we made it look easy. We just set up, did a howl and pack lit up. We, we set up and we're like, you know what? Cause you know, wolves like to run those good trails and, and old, oh, yeah. old roads. And so well, we, just we like, just looked at that. Oh, what were we saying? Oh, they, they're just like anything else. They, their wolves are very efficient. They like to travel the least uh, recent part of a, you know, a mountain, like a ridgetop or a yeah. trail or a road. They love traveling roads because they can travel some serious ground. Yeah. It saves them energy. And, yep. and so we, yeah, we just, it was, we just set up a predator call and boom, 40, 48 seconds. <laughs> One popped out, yeah. boom, Trav shot it. <laughs> and then we went in the timber and, and that, you know, that's when we started really figuring it out, you know, like, okay, this is how, we, how we do it. And, and we, we got the pack howling again and we moved in the timber and I was trying to film, but that pack was howling probably a hundred yards ahead of us. So we were so keen on looking ahead of us, but all of a sudden there was these flashes like off I'm talking side. 10 yards in the timber off to our side. Yeah. It was like, they're sending scouts out and finally that, just exactly like my how brother got hunt. a glance. Yeah. They just, just um, distract, distract you a little. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's try to figure out. two or three run dogs and, and a couple <laughs> off the side for sure. hundred percent. That's from what I've seen anyway. No. Yeah. And then luckily he Trav squeezed another yeah. one off at a, there's just like, he got a glimpse and shot and, I was like, did you get that? He's like, I don't know. Go up there and there's a big dead male. <laughs> like, sweet. Keep on going after the pack. The pack didn't figure That's it out perfect. at the time. They were still, they were still howling. And we go up and then after Trav missed the third one, there was one that darted off. We got in a little old clear cut. One just dead run in front of him, shot, shot over its back. And then that pack realized they figured out like, holy crap, we're dying. We need to get out of here. And then they left the drainage packed it up yeah and they didn't go they so, actually never came back to that drainage um they, yeah so the the very first time that that i killed my first black wolf in the high country when i well it ripped apart a mule there and um we we were only issued one tag back then i think it was my second year hunting i i could have oh, yeah. literally leveled 15 dogs because i was shooting rocks beside of them they wouldn't even budge after i shot my first one <laughs> that's but, crazy yeah i mean but they were just so uneducated back then that they didn't really know what the hell was going on, you know? Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it was the same with my archery experience. They just, I kept on sticking wolves. I stuck three, but found two, but they just, they didn't, you know, like you said, they didn't know any better. Um, yeah. But now if you try to call that same pack in, no, you you don't have a chance. They, they, they figured out quick. It's not like a bull elk, you know, you can call a bull elk and work on a bull elk for a year and, or, you know, that, that hunting season finally 
he messes up. But a wolf, it's like you have one or two chances and it's over. Yeah. And you might as well find a different wolf pack. It's the same thing here. Um, 100%. I mean, that's why I really don't even call anymore. Like, I try to ambush them. I try to track them down on on their kills because they, they feel at leisure, you know. Uh, they don't know I'm yeah. there. I, I've killed boar wolves not for them not knowing I'm there than I have called them in. I mean, that's probably the best way to like, do it, too. Yeah, it looks great on video, you know, like when I call it in, it's like, oh, yeah, he makes it look so easy, just like you just mentioned a while back. <laughs> but 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 a lot of people don't realize, you know, my average wolf that I see is 53 to 56 days. Like, I've done the math on it. Like, I go out from dark to dark for 50-some days. I spend more time doing that than I do elk hunting just to see or hear a wolf. Like, I hear him quite a bit, and I'm I'm getting better at it, but that's what it takes. Like that's my average. Of course I've killed them back to back weekends, but then I don't see them again for 50, 60, 70 days or whatever it is. You know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, there's times like there's times of the year too, that I don't even try. Like, like I have friends all the time. Like, Hey, I want to go wolf hunting. And I'm like, go for it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> this is a sucky yeah. time of year to try to find a wolf. <laughs> Not even a trapper yeah, I mean, is having good luck at that time of the year. It's it's always the time of the year. I always well, you're talking about meadows too. I've there's there's certain areas like locations where you always like you were saying where you consistently see wolves. Even, like you killed wolves in an area several times, like in one of the same meadows. Is it just me, or are you I, also noticing like wolves using meadows? A lot. Well, and I, I think mean, they use metals. Oh. I think they use metals a lot. Um, the wolves that I am killing, and I've, I, I actually like one of my main hunting areas. I've brought a pack of ten down to like three, just me personally. Um, it's because I've, I've literally studied every move they make, and I know exactly when they're going to come through. So, like all the wolves that I chase and all the wolves that I kill. I know if they're not here and there's a track that's a two days old, I know where they're going because I've spent so much time doing it. I know exactly mm-hmm. what drainage they're going to be in a day later. And usually I'm, you know, right pretty close on, you know? So it's that's like, awesome. it, it's, it's not that I'm a, a good wolf hunter. It's because I've invested, I've, I've invested more time wolf hunting than I have all of my mule deer and, elk career and i've killed i think i'm at like 38 bulls with my bow and a lot of giant mule deer i have no idea but i yeah, spend more time big wolf, ones. yeah I spend more time wolf hunting like it's just i don't know <clears throat> yeah you're right they're so intriguing to study and learn about they're just so dang smart and watching the way that they hunt and the way that they travel is so it's, interesting. They travel, they, yeah absolutely they travel they travel effortlessly like I've been on wolves. I've I've seen them, like, say, at at point A, and I've literally caught up to them the very next day, less than six hours later, 40 to 50 miles down. Like, they just go. I would imagine it's a lot worse in Alaska because it's so wide open. Yeah, in the wide open. I mean, they just go. I don't even know how far they can go, but you'll just see tracks, and they they are straight. 
<laughs> they're straight like a ruler and they're on a mission to get to their next hunting spot. And then when they hit a patch of trees, they all split up and they kill something and then they get in the wide open, travel yeah. another 50 miles, hunt, you know, it's, it just, they just do it over and over and over and over again. Cause we spend a lot of time in the airplane. We're tracking all sorts of animals. We keep tabs on moose and caribou and where everything's at just for shed hunting and hunting in general and so we get to see all the tracks from the air and it's really fun to you know kind of distinguish different tracks oh those those are caribou tracks those are wolf tracks those are moose tracks and you can see them from the air but seeing how wolves hunt is just like man they are so efficient they are efficient best word to describe them they're efficient Mm -hmm. and Uh, they're smart you know 50 miles for a wolf is like walking you know in the next bedroom for us it really is that they, they travel 50 miles like it's nothing yeah they do it's well that and that's why they kill well, so sometimes much they I've, food <laughs> sometimes i'll like have that flight them. ambition like because you you track them way like you have way more ambition to track them than i do but i'll i'll see a road about six miles away and i'll be like let me hit that road first before i start walking on these wolf tracks now I'll go hit that road, <laughs> and then those wolves cross that road. I'm like, thank goodness I did not, because <laughs> I would have wasted six miles of my life, <laughs> and I'm that far behind them, you know. So, um, if you, I mean, at least if you get, but that that's the unfortunate thing too. Then you're dealing with other, you know, wolf hunters like you are. Like if it's there's a lot of roads, and you got a lot of people too. So if you're able to get in the backcountry and find your own wolf pack to work on. Um, that's a whole different story. We were getting excited. Like we thought we were going to catch up to them with their snowmobiles because the tracks were, my friends ran the, they said these, these wolf tracks ran into this, uh, into this Creek bed. And so like, and there was a fresh snow and the following morning we went there within, it was probably five or six hours, actually five or six hours. And the tracks were they cut up on the, on this road and they were heading up the drainage and that's where 30, 40 miles that's away. No, yeah. And they, we, I we mean, were like, oh, we're going to catch up to the pack. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah, like, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just like, yeah. I, I, I have followed tracks so many times and I've spent so many hours and, you know, I just treat it as, you know, it's a workout, whatever. I might catch them. I might not is how I catch yeah. them is when they kill, you know what I mean? When they kill a deer or whatever, that that's when I catch up to them. Do I think I'm going to catch up to a wolf on it's, you know, when it's just running? Absolutely. I'm not even close. I've, I've followed tracks where it's, it's snowing and there ain't a fleck of snow in the track. And after all day tracking them at the same amount of snow, they're 30 miles down the drainage. Like it's just, yeah, but you you just never know for me and that's just how i hunt them now just because i don't know they, i i don't call a lot anymore yeah i, I think well, that's I good think if that you... just, uh, i think if you're silent and you just want to work for it and you hit it day after day but you know you know you, if you look at you know 50 days before you hear or see a wolf and you travel 15 20 miles i'm talking mountain miles uh of snow a day you're going to run into one eventually. And that's what I do. Usually. <laughs> that's a lot of work. People don't understand how much work you're actually putting into it. And the hardest parts to find them. That's, that is literally the hardest 
part of the whole wolf hunt is to actually get into the wolves. Like where you, I get people that say, Oh, I had wolf tracks, but they wouldn't call back. It's like, no, they weren't there. You, you were yeah. at where there was a wolf <laughs> because you saw fresh wolf tracks because you saw fresh wolf, wolf pee. That doesn't mean that wolf is right there. He could be 10, 15 miles from me right now, you know, like, and he doesn't, he can't hear you. So, um, they're always on the move. So I would recommend as, you know, as an avid wolf hunter, if you hear or see a wolf, if you're elk hunting, like when I'm elk hunting, I got a big old bull coming in screaming, whatever. And it just shuts up and I hear wolves. Guess what? I am wolf hunting. Like there's no, that is your best chance to kill a wolf is when you hear or see them. Cause otherwise, yeah. I mean, you can, you can hunt a lifetime and not see one. Exactly. That's, that's great advice to give because, you know, I think I regret, maybe you do too. Like the times when we would be out, you know, I'm on an elk hunt and I had my mind hunting elk. This was early on. This is like you said, it was back when you weren't really seeing, I wasn't seeing the wolf problems yet. We'd have a huge pack howling. Um, and we would just ignore it just like, well, we're all hunting. Yeah. And, yep. and now exactly. I regret those moments. And now you, we can't afford like any elk hunter that's listening to this right now, you cannot afford to, to ignore a wolf pack howling. I don't care if you have a bow in your hand, it'll work. No, Trust exactly. Me. Get in there. So, and cow call. <laughs> so, so rewind back to the exact <laughs> conversation that I, that I killed that wolf in the high country where I shot the rocks um, beside them and I could have killed the whole pack, but it, I was only issued one tag back then. So well, I was mule deer hunting in the high country and I heard them howling. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget it. I was on a ridge that was 10 miles away. I walked down that ridge and I, I put my spot and scope up and I, I glassed up this drainage. And I was watching them tear apart a five-point mule deer. And I thought it was a bear at first. But I heard the wolves. I'm like, what the hell? It was foggy, you know, high country. Um, I I watched them do that, though. When I figured out they were wolves, I grabbed every part of my stuff up there. And I freaking went on a, like a bailing off the wrong side of the mountain mission. I went all the way down. (laughs) I was freezing. (laughs) it's It's on YouTube, actually. It's the high country one. I, I went all the way down the wrong side of the mountain um, from where I, you know, parked originally. And I was already back in there about eight miles. I, I, I got back there about three hours later and snuck up on them and got one, you know, but I was that that was my mission. We're going to take a little break here because this podcast ran quite long. So this is part one. Part two are next week, continuing with some of Luke's stories. So stay tuned. 